This is like the juiciest episode I might ever have. Hello, haters. Thank you so much for coming to this episode. I'm sure you're gonna masturbate to the whole thing. You're welcome. And this was the craziest thing that has ever happened to me and I don't even know how uncomfortable it was for you. <laughs> like, but honestly, Nicole, you're a huge Honestly, Leah, I didn't like you the entire time you were on Clubhouse. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes two of us. I ain't trying to get between you. I'm just trying to get between you. So we were on Clubhouse together, an app that should have been a unicorn, but they messed it up. I had to do that. No comment. <laughs> we're investors, no comment. Um, <laughs> we, you know, we, we came up on that app together. We did a lot of rooms together, and the dynamic seemed really good to everyone else, but behind the scenes, it really sucked. And I think <laughs> I've never been so triggered by someone in a work setting in my life and I don't I don't know if you have. Can I just say I'm honored to be the person who triggered you the most. Thank you so much. You're welcome. This really but means but a lot here to me. no the other thing that I wanted to say is that I actually don't think that there's anyone else I could have gone through that with and then still figured out a way to talk talk through things and then be friends with them because it takes an incredible amount of one, self-awareness, and two, humility, mm -hmm. and three, ability to say sorry and forgive on both ends so many times. <laughs> the so many times is really that we should put a lot of emphasis on that. On the so many yeah. times. <laughs> how many times have we had it out? Like at least six. I'm, how are we not married at this point? I don't know, <laughs> but you're married. I am, and we'll get to that. But but that's that's the thing. I feel like I'm I'm very proud of this friendship because I actually never thought that it would succeed, but it <laughs> it gives me hope because of the stuff that we've been through, and it also like gave me a new standard that I expect all my friends to live up to if we have conflict, where it's like if you don't if you can't come forward and Tell me how you feel respectfully. Tell me if you think I did something wrong respectfully and make me you know, see how you're feeling, empathize with me at the same time and all that stuff, then I cannot continue in that dynamic. This, conver this conversation is called Respectfully with Nicole. Respectfully. Yeah, our, our relationship was kind of like the runt of the litter. We were like, oh, that dog's gonna die for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's not gonna make it in his week. It is no, the... no, I, and, and I, yeah, there was a time that we didn't, for a while, we didn't talk at all. And I think... Yeah, we've gone through periods of not talking. Yeah, which were very hard. And, well, the not talking was easy. But, <laughs> but, but, but no, I think... I want to talk about why, first of all, why there were problems in the first place. One, the environment of Clubhouse or any dynamic or situation where people are coming up on an app, whether it's Clubhouse, Twitter, whatever, and it's almost like a competition for attention and numbers, but the reality is we were collaborators that worked really well together, and everyone sort of like fell in love with us at the same time together, mm -hmm. but then we were put in a, a situation where people were constantly comparing us to each other behind the scenes, you know, trying to get us to compete or dislike each other or bring stuff up. And a lot of it 
a lot of it can- did come from men who were working with us. I mean, I can't think of one woman who tried to pit us against each other. I can't really either. And I, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, we started as friends, we became collaborators, yeah. and then became competitors. Yeah. And the competitor part only came because of all the people trying to interfere in our relationship and our dynamic. Because they benefit from it if we don't like each other, because then we end up working harder for them. Oh, God. I it's know. like, sorry, I already did that with my dad. <laughs> Doing this with other people. <laughs> like, he gave me way more money. Just kidding. He never gave me a dollar. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was so interesting because, I mean, if you, first of all, I want to say, I really appreciate you just skipping the hello and this is Leah Lamar. <laughs> well, hello, I'm Leah Lamar. I'm a stand-up comedian and plumber. <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, I don't think, I feel like we haven't done intros for so many guests because it's more of like a natural vibe. Because but everyone definitely knows who I am. Everyone knows <laughs> everyone. who you are. Everyone. But, but honestly, I feel like anyone who knows me knows who you are. Like, I know that's a weird thing to say, but I feel like we were doing, it's like, it's like I feel the same way with like Chris Voss, who, you know, I was doing all these clubhouse rooms with. So I just feel like you're a part of my life and people who know me just know who you are because we were always together. Literally, I'm constantly asked about you. Same. Always. Same. I saw um, Fabi Meyer. Yeah. She is an angel, by the way. I love, shout out to Fabi. Um, and she was like, how's Nicole? She was the sweetest, like, she was so nice. Yeah, she's really nice. And everyone always asks about you. Like, how's Nicole doing? I'm like, killing it. Yeah, she's doing great. Yeah, we're killing it. We're killing it. We're killing it. We're killing it. Sorry, did my ring get you? I think we should talk about, I think we should go chronologically. I think so, too. So I think we should start the inception of our friendship into what was Clubhouse. Okay, let's do it. So Nicole found me on the internet. This is true. (laughs) I, I feel like I feel like my whole thing is just like finding <laughs> finding talent and I'm like I want to work with that person and that person and that person and I found you and I was like I was like whoa you were in some like James Corden uh skit with like Zach Braff and I was like who's this like attractive fun cool Jewish girl and I messaged you that's exactly the role the role was for attractive fun cool Jewish girl so <laughs> By the way, if you're ever casting for an attractive, fun, cool Jewish girl and you choose anyone that's not me, like, what is the point of having me kept this nose? I don't understand. No, but I don't either. Yeah, the, the music video was a week and a day and it was a Hanukkah music video. Yeah, I remember. Ridiculous. I remember. And so um, I just reached out to you and we talked and I was like, you should come on this new app, Clubhouse. And we just started killing it on there. Yeah. Like, we weren't even on the suggested users list. And we were, <laughs> and we were killing it on there. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, we were doing all these comedy rooms. And then we started working with Overheard LA. We were their brand ambassador. And then, like, you know, we, we did stuff with, like, Fox and all these other big networks that were trying to do content on there. Yeah. And, you know, got interviews with everybody you know, we were doing rooms with like Naval and Eric and, you know, just tons of people. And we had like Jared Leto listening to our rooms. I also just want to say that we hosted so many rooms. We lived on the app 24 hours a day. We did nothing else with our time. We eat, slept, breathed Clubhouse. And people fell in love with our dynamic and our personalities because we would host like 
dating rooms. Yeah. We would host. I mean, it was insane the amount of clout we had on that app. Yeah, I'm so upset that it didn't work out. But oh, you know what, though? Me too. I, the amount of the humility that I feel as a result. Don't you feel like you had to start over when when it like fizzled out? Yeah, but I don't. I think you carried that energy into Twitter, and, and I then think, and I think you carried it into Instagram. But but what I'm saying is, if that app made it, yeah, we would have been set for life, and it's fine. But like, you know, once it died out, we sort of had to like rediscover ourselves and figure out like, what do I want to do with my life? All of our sponsors left us because the numbers weren't there anymore. And we we literally had to like figure out a new path. You, we had to bec- we had to just adapt and figure out what we wanted to do. Um, but I mean, do I miss being on Snoop Dogg's stage? Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Does would he recognize me if he ran into me in real life? Not a chance. Zero percent. No. Uh, Paris Hilton. I was there for your first NFT drop. You don't know who I am. That's fine. But your Paris Hilton <laughs> NFT account follows me. And you know, it's interesting because. I think people would ask us to be in their rooms, to come boost the rooms. That's how much people respected us. Yeah. And when I think about the divisiveness that was behind all of it and the clout chasing and the way that the app was set up with the algorithm made it so that all of us became super competitive with each other because we needed to have constant rooms to get numbers and we needed to have the right people on our stages to acquire those numbers so that we could get sponsors, so that we could have enough people in the rooms for a long enough amount of time that people would wanna pay us a living wage. I mean, the amount of effort and time and emotional energy that was spent putting that together was absolutely mental. But when you think about it, we actually did some good. (laughs) I know know this seems shocking. Go on. So I think um, there are a lot of people who message me still or people I will meet in real life now who are like you helped get me through a really dark time like I you and Nicole's dynamic was so amazing we love listening to you talk you really brighten our day and the thing about Clubhouse unfortunately which did help it thrive was the fact that we were all trapped in our houses people couldn't do anything else so we were almost like a escape like yeah we were like a um like a weighted blanket for people I, yeah. don't, I didn't want to say antidepressant, but <laughs> that's was, true too. You know what I mean? I, I think when people saw us go online, they were like, "Ooh, there's going to be a fun room." They just knew there was something to look forward to. Yeah, and I think the way that it that it went south, but here it it went south in our personal relationship, but somehow we were still able to like do work, knowing that there was like that we were beefing, like <sighs> the work. Oh my god! No, this this is the worst story that I think I can share on any episode that's ever happened to me. I don't even know if you guys know this story. Um, So we, you know, obviously the dynamic was bad, felt really competitive. um, People were pitting us against each other constantly. Just uh, to be clear, so I think there might be some confusion about why we were competitive, if it sounds like we were doing everything together. because people would reach out to us individually and they would say one thing to Nicole, same person. And and this was many people, right? Yeah. They'd be like, oh, did you see Nicole has more followers than you? Or, oh, you have more followers than Nicole. Does that bother you? 
Or then they would be like, oh, I think X, Y, and Z about Nicole. Or she's trying to manipulate you. Or she's trying to keep this for herself. And then they would come around and say the same thing about me to her. So all of a sudden we're getting fed all of this information. And Nicole and I have never been in a situation where we're getting so many messages because we're blowing up and everyone wants access to us. Yeah, yeah, true. So we were really in the spotlight and we were really vulnerable, especially because we were so alone and we had no support networks. And so people were constantly trying to infiltrate our dynamic and get into our heads. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I think they also just wanted like information about <laughs> We're us. making them sound like Russian spies. <laughs> no, <laughs> no I mean, they did. They wanted like personal information to like satisfy their own curiosity about us from each other. And so we didn't really know that. We just thought that these people were like our friends. And I remember <laughs> I remember listening to a couple of them and being ah. like, oh, really? So Leah thinks that? And I was just like, okay. And like, I just, you know, I would still do rooms with you and you would still do rooms with me. But there was like this growing resentment yeah and that we that we did not talk about and this was the craziest thing that has ever happened to me and I don't even know how uncomfortable it was for you but like it's cool we it's it's already over and we've talked about it but I'm literally on a zoom call with Leah because we have this thing called the clubby awards which is like you know this award show for uh for clubhouse sponsored by overheard LA uh was it? It was overheard. It was overheard. And then, and then there were other sponsors for it, and this was like, I think four hours of our time, and we made like fifteen thousand dollars. But no one saw all the prep work that went into no, it. No, it was insane. Like so much, so work. much prep work that so we would stay on Zoom and just do the work, type things out, like you know, figure out who you know who was gonna announce the nominees and all this yeah, stuff. I'd be like, Nicole, you do this. Nicole would be like, Leah, you do this. And we would just sit there and bang it out. Yeah, and, and it was it was like writing for like the Emmy Awards except for Clubhouse. Mm-hmm. And so we wrote out everything together. It took hours and hours and hours. So throughout the daytime, we were just on Zoom. Um, so later that day, um, I'm, uh, I just take a phone call from this guy who's going, who, who was someone going back and forth telling us stuff about each other. And I was on the phone with him talking about Leah. And, and they were saying really hurtful things. Hold on. <laughs> to be fair, I, I, I feel like I was saying nice stuff about like your mom and like, to be fair. I feel like I feel like that there was still like empathy, but I was be I don't know if you could you couldn't hear the other side of the conversation. You yeah, just I heard could. Me, no. you could. Yeah, of course. That's why I knew who it was and what was being said. Oh, this is worse than I thought. Okay. Oh yeah, I heard everything. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. didn't. I didn't know what you heard. Either way, I, like I felt. Well, well, okay. So, so for anyone who's following along, we were on a Zoom, but we'd kept walking away from the Zoom to go stu- do stuff, and we'd be like, "Oh, we're taking a break. We're doing this. I'll be back." Yeah, yeah, and so yeah. we'd like mute or whatever, and then I guess we were like on a break at that moment. But Nicole hadn't muted, and she took this call, so I could hear the whole thing, and I had no idea. I and, and my, <laughs> that little light that tells you that you're on Zoom was not on. So, so I'm I'm just having this conversation. And I remember saying some something. He was like, "So what are you gonna do?" And I was like, "I'm just gonna distance myself from her. Like I don't want anything to do with her." Like just going on and on and on. <sighs> and then I get a text message from Leah, saying, 
this is making me really uncomfortable. And I'm just like, what is she talking about? And I tell the guy, I'm like, I just got a text message from Leah saying this. Like, what do you think she's talking about? And then she texts me, I'm still on Zoom with you. <laughs> and my face just gets white. Imagine you're talking about someone and they're watching you talk about them. Nicole turned into a literal ghost. I've never seen the blood drain faster from someone's face. It's crazy that you are watching me too. Like I'm so aware that you're watching and this whole thing's happening and I'm like, hey, I have to go. Um, Leah's on the Zoom across from me. <laughs> and the guy goes, oh God. Did you hear that? That's what he said. I mean, I'm, I'm biting my tongue right now. Yeah. So I get off the call and keep in mind, 20 minutes after this, the clubby awards are supposed to start. So I get on the call. And this is like, again, 15 grand for a few hours. And I'm like, hey, I'm really sorry that you just heard that. There's a lot that I feel like we need to talk about. Um, and, you know, obviously like that is very embarrassing and hurtful and like I I feel really bad right now. I also know that we're about to make a lot of money for something we worked really hard on and I think we should just do it and get it over with and talk about this after. But what you said was also, but I'm glad you heard this. Yeah, because, because I would have never told you. I literally would have just distanced myself from you and none of it would have come to the surface and it yeah. would have just been this growing resentment that you would have never known about and I never really knew the truth about how you felt or what anyone was saying to you about me or, or the other way around. Yeah. So I was like, okay, well now now we get to talk about it. I. The other thing that's really interesting is how psychotic is it that I was like, yeah, I want to listen to this. It's like I heard something. And I, I thought, heard no, I thought about that, and I and and there was a part of me that was like, that was like, I can't believe she didn't just like turn the Zoom off. Yeah, I heard my name, and I thought you were talking to me, and so I went to the Zoom, and then I heard you talking about me, oh and then God. I saw you were on the phone, and then it got worse and worse, and I sat there just thinking like you should just X out of this. And then I was like, no, I wanna know what these people think about me. I've yeah. spent so many hours on the phone talking to them about my intimate, vulnerable, personal information. Yeah. I have a right to know what these people think about me and they're doing it really openly. It's like God is giving me the gift of letting me know how these people talk about me and how yeah. they think about me. Yeah. Today's episode of Beyond is brought to you by MoonPay. MoonPay is your portal to Web3 where you can transact with peers globally and own your digital identity. MoonPay makes it fast and simple to jumpstart your Web3 journey. Quickly use your debit or credit card to buy and sell crypto and purchase digital collectibles. Visit MoonPay.com to get started. Well, so here's <laughs> the thing. I want to kind of go back a little bit. All of the cells in your body change after seven years. I had been in 12-step program and therapy for seven years before I met Adam. And the program doesn't work overnight. Nothing does, to be clear. If you have just started therapy, congratulations. That is the start, and it is a long journey. And I'm not saying, if, if you think you're healed, no one's ever healed, period. It's a, it's a journey, it's a process. Everyone continues to grow and learn and heal in longevity. Because if you were just done, if you were a finished product, your life would be not really interesting. 
But I think the thing is that as soon as you grow, you get new challenges that you've never experienced before. So if you're if the thing that's causing you anxiety is a low level relationship that you don't even think you want to be in, but you can't figure out why this guy doesn't like you and is like shooting heroin on the street, <laughs> but and lives in Detroit and won't call you back. And you're like, how do I get this drug addict to love me? Plus, I mean, that's very unrelatable to most people, but um, or, or like a work situation where you're like, oh, my God, I'm making 5K a month and I I have this job that I don't like, but, you know, it's giving me enough that I can pay my bills, but I'm exhausted by it. Right. Okay. So, so like, let's take that, that example. Let's say you start working on yourself. You start standing up for yourself, feeling more confident, asking for a raise, feeling comfortable, leaving a situation that no longer serves you, maybe changing career paths to something that actually suits your personality and your authentic self better, your essence. Once you grow, you then have new challenges, right? Like, I quit my job, I had a very stable job in New York City, you know, 401k, health benefits, great salary, whatever, never wanted to do it. And once I left, I thought, oh no, now I have to figure out how to survive again. Now I have to figure out not just how to survive, but to thrive. And these new challenges came up about, I left New York, I moved to LA, new challenges. I don't know anyone here, how do I make friends? Okay, so then I started making friends and making strides in comedy and you know, booking acting work and having money and doing this and that. And then you're like, okay, well now that I have this money, what do I do with this money? And um, you know, now I have money, now I wanna learn how to invest, right? So like, you know better than anyone, once you start moving toward your goals, these big dreams that you have, you're always going to have more, um, you're going to have more situations that emerge that you don't know the answers to. So there's always an opportunity for growth, no matter what. You're not, your life is not going to be static unless you choose for it to be. And if you choose and decide to grow, then you will continually need to heal and you will continually need to learn. So for me, it took seven years for it to click. It, it might take people less time. It did not for me. <laughs> seven years to the dot, basically. Yeah. It took me for me to stop dating guys who, instead of me saying, do I like them? I would just keep saying, do they like me? Who gives a fuck if they like you? Do you like them? Do you even like who they are? I think I, I always had these checklists of what I wanted in a partner, right? And what a checklist does is keeps you lonely. Because if you're creating a resume, then someone has to fill the resume and they, people have to apply for a position. Love isn't a position. Love is a combination of your heart and your head. And so for me, we go through program and you would hear all these people talk about their relationships and, and slowly, when you hear people in meetings start to heal, you pick up on little slogans or, um, or phrases that they say that just stick with you. And every time someone got married or, or found someone that they loved, you know, all of us would feel hope. Because yeah, I cried when you got engaged. You did, yeah. yeah. And it's like, if that person could do it, I can do it. And I remember I was in an Al-Anon meeting and this woman said, just let the nice man be nice to you. And every guy I've ever dated, some of them have been totally fine. This is not a blanket statement. But there are a lot of guys who have made me feel less than, have told me to get plastic surgery, 
Um, and, and of course I stayed, so I'm not blaming them entirely, right? Like I could have left at any time, but you leave when you're ready. Um, I've had, I've, I've had trust issues with guys who I don't know if they're texting girls on the side. I don't know if they're still on dating apps. I don't, and I don't feel, I don't have enough self-esteem and self-worth to even ask. That's sad for an old version of me. I think that's all, sometimes I cry when I mourn for an old version of me. I can't believe I felt that way. I can't believe I was this person. And so I used to date guys that I'd be like, hey, I am looking for this. I'm looking for a relationship. And they'd be like, well, you know, I just got out of something and uh, you know, I'm not saying no, it's not off the table. I'm just not like not ready to like put a label on it. And I'd be like, okay, no problem. You're definitely gonna put a label on it in like two weeks from now. <laughs> you know, I would be sure that I could convince someone to love me. And I would want to earn their affection and earn their attention and earn their love. You know what's crazy, Leah? Is that I feel like the world, the internet, whatever, tries to market to us that we can do that. Read this book, it'll help you land this guy, read this book, it'll help you land this girl. And so your experience is so common and that's why I'm so happy you're telling this story. Go on, I just wanted to but mention that. The thing is that love is not meant to be earned. You should be with someone who loves you regardless. I think that I have a lot of friends who have checklists. We've kind of discussed this before. And when you meet the right person who makes you feel safe and who makes you feel respected and loved and fully seen, the checklist goes out the fucking window, man. You don't care about the checklist. I mean, look at Charlotte from Sex and the City. She ended up with a bald, fat Jew fuck. <laughs> uh, Harry, you know what I mean? By the way, I'm Jewish. Um, and it's like, I don't think that was on her checklist. She was this like posh, Catholic, gorgeous, tall, stunning woman. and. In my opinion, I think the way that you feel with someone is the way that um, you move forward in life. So if this person makes you feel secure and safe, you start creating more safe and secure connections with people. And it's like one little decision can alter your whole path and your perception. Um, so I was dating a guy. I was tuck and rolling out of a situationship with a guy, and, and I will say, this is the first, I was, I was healing, and I know I was healing, because each little situationship was shorter and shorter, because. Yeah, you were saying, you were saying no, I watched this happen, because at first when I met you, you know, you would stay with these guys and not say anything, and then, and then I started watching you just be like, I'm gonna end this, I'm gonna end this, and you were, you were doing that. I, I was so afraid that someone would leave me, and it's like, if it's not meant to be, there's nothing you can do to have this person love you. And if it is meant to be, there's nothing you could do to keep you apart. And so I was just so afraid to shake the boat. I thought every fight would lead to a breakup because that's how I assumed communication was from the communication styles that happened in my childhood home. And so with this guy, I remember like these, these situationships were shorter and shorter as I started getting more self-worth and I started believing people. When people tell you who they are, believe them. This guy said, I said, hi, I would like to be in a relationship. 
having sex with you. You're taking me on expensive dates. No, I'm not an escort. Um, we're spending lots of time together. You know, you're getting me gifts. Like, this feels like a relationship. I like you. I'd like for this to be a relationship. And he was like, I just got out of a relationship. And so, um, <laughs> you know, he's like, he was like, why can't we just keep doing what we're doing? And I said, no problem. Absolutely fine. I think we should just be friends. And then he was like, I knew you were going to do this. I just, and I was like, bye. Ha ha ha. You know, and then he started texting me like crazy. He sent me this Valentine's Day text. He would text me every day. I didn't respond. He sent me a novel. But we you were smart and you didn't think that that was going to lead to anything. You knew once he had He told you. me who he was. Yeah. And you and believed this time, him. this time you believed it. I believed it. And I left. And it, was, it wasn't easy. And it didn't make me feel good. I didn't want to leave, but I knew I had to if I wanted to get in life what I want, which was a healthy, stable, committed, secure relationship with someone who I don't have to worry if they are talking to other girls or if they're, you know, whatever they're doing, right? It's none of my business. I don't think he's a bad person. I don't think, well, there's one in the line there that I would consider maybe to be a bad person, but... Um, I mean, like a psychic told me that, <laughs> okay, I go there. Um, but so then when I tuck and rolled out of the situationship and I went to Ibiza cause that's where you go when you want to get over someone. Right. Um, and I was miserable Nicole. miserable. I wanted him to make this huge romantic gesture. I wanted him to reach out in a way that felt like, oh my God, I'm an idiot. I'm in love with you. You're the most amazing person in the world. And if you think I'm delusional, I am, but we all want this. I, oh, every girl has, I don't know one of my friends who hasn't been through this. No, and we all fantasize about this, by the way. Three days into this trip, miserable, jet lagged, whatever. Um, my friend was like, oh, I've got a friend coming here. He's Jewish. You're going to love him. I'm going to push you guys together. And I was like, dude, that's really annoying. Like, it's honestly kind of anti-Semitic to think that all Jews are going to love each other. <laughs> uh, like, I don't know what to tell you. It's like, we're not all just going to like each other because we're Jewish. And then he showed me his photo and I was like, push us together. It's anti-Semitic to not push us together. Yeah, he's good looking. He's a good looking guy. Yeah. And when I saw him at first, I was taken aback by him. And I've had a lot of love at first sight moments, which I later realized was just lust at first sight. I could see an alcoholic in a room and just be like, I'm gonna fuck that guy's brains out and hope that he falls in love with me, which he never has. But I mean, I will find the one person in a room who's the most toxic, unavailable person you can find. I meet this guy I'm, and I see him and I'm taken aback by him. And I think to myself, I just need to know this person. I thought he was very handsome and charming, but he didn't make me like twitch. I just felt calm. Yeah, and and give the other side of it where like there was another guy. Oh, well, um, there was another guy there who yeah. had been mercilessly throwing himself at me and he was super handsome and really jolly and fun. But I was like, hey, so I've just done the fuck boy thing and I'm good. And I knew I knew I could hook up with him if I wanted to, but I don't I don't partake in hookup culture. That doesn't feel good to me. I've never had a one night stand. I'm not and, and I don't I don't mean to say that with negative connotation. I think that people should do whatever they want. I just have too much sex shame to be able to do it. 
personally. Um, but he was, you know, like, ki- like trying to kiss me. Like, it felt like there was a little bit of a competition going on. And if I wanted to get over my ex and have some fun, I could have gone that direction. We go to Pasha, a nightclub that is notorious for being the loudest nightclub in the world. Very romantic place. <laughs> and I'm miserable. I take toilet paper and stuff my ears because it is so loud. And he comes over and he's like, hey, would you like some earplugs? Adam? Yes. And I was like, yes. Yes, I would like some earplugs. I put the earplugs in. He's like, actually, do you want to go outside and talk? And I was like, yes. Yes, I would like to go outside from the loudest nightclub in the world and talk. You know, I'm not 21 anymore. It's not fun. So we're sitting outside. We're talking for an hour. The guy that I dated before this, we had been on a, on a final dinner, the Last Supper, if you will. He never asked me one question. And Adam was so interested in me, and he was interesting, but he kept asking questions because he wanted to get to know me. He wanted to know who I was. A foreign concept. Very foreign. (laughs) And he is foreign. He's from England. So that should explain that. (laughs) Right. He's very family-oriented. That's his whole... He's so wholesome, and his his family dynamic is the opposite of my family dynamic. Anyway, we're talking, we're talking. And then all of a sudden, I see a super hot guy. To be clear, my husband is hot as fuck. But my little toxic ass was like, I got this in the bag. I can go back to it if I want to. That's what I felt. And I think a lot of us have done this because the second that you feel like you have someone, you don't feel like you need to pay as much attention to them. So I literally was like, I'll be right back. I'm going to go to the bathroom. I chased this dude into the club. And then I stopped myself there. And I'm like, what are you doing? You are literally and physically chasing a man. And this guy, you've already done this. You've done this dance. You've dated all the fuck boys. You've dated all the this hot guy. Like, you know what's behind the hot guy cart. Unhappiness. What, what are you doing? And then I stopped and I remembered what that woman had said in an Al-Anon meeting and she said, let the nice man be nice to you. And I literally thought, why not do something different than I've done all the other times and go let the nice man be nice to me. Nice hot man. Yeah. <laughs> and I went back and like a dog with my tail between my legs. I was like, hey, sorry, just going to the bathroom. Um, then the girl next to us threw up everywhere. It was very romantic. And then that night, after that night, we were never apart from the night we met. Today's episode of Beyond is brought to you by MoonPay. MoonPay is your portal to Web3 where you can transact with peers globally and own your digital identity. MoonPay makes it fast and simple to jumpstart your Web3 journey. Quickly use your debit or credit card to buy and sell crypto and purchase digital collectibles. Visit MoonPay.com to get started. 